We're here today with Brianne Edwards. Bree is the founder of Locks Legacy, a South Dakota nonprofit working to support those who are grieving the unexpected loss of an infant. Her new book is titled A Thousand Pounds, Finding the Strength to Live and Love Under the Weight of Unbearable Loss. Her work has been featured in, excuse me, featured by Her View from Home, Scary Mommy, and Praying Through Child Loss. Inspired by her personal experience of profound loss, she has found her ministry in accompanying other families in their grief. Coming to the table with a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in uh, as a physical assi physician assistant, excuse me, and a compassionate bereavement care certification. She's the mother of six, married to her high school sweetheart, nestled in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota. You can learn more at LocksLegacy.org. That's L-A-C-H-S-L-E-G-A-C-Y dot O-R-G. Also, I have to say I'm particularly happy to be interviewing Bree because she is an alum from one of our writers' conferences. And it's always wonderful to be able to uh, catch up with uh, those folks when they launch new books. So, Bree, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on all your work. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here with you. So um, to get started, maybe you could tell folks just a little bit more about your background than what I briefly touched on. Sure. Um, the ministry around grief that I do was really inspired after the death of our son. He was uh, 10 and a half months old and he died during his nap at daycare. And, um, you know, with that, just it, it shakes the foundation of your world. And in trying to figure out what to do with that and how to live with that loss. Um, early on, I found a lot of comfort in just the companionship of other bereaved parents. They just seemed to have a different way of talking about it, a different way of being able to ask questions. I could start to express what I was feeling and I would get that knowing nod um, and know that they knew exactly what it was I was talking about. And so really to the, the inspiration for the foundation was to, um, just create that sense of companionship to create some grief support, um, to be able to kind of work together with that community, um, in the fight against SIDS. And then really in that space, I have had the opportunity to talk to a lot of other bereaved parents and walking through, um, similar stories to my own. And in that, you know, kind of sharing of stories, Help me really understand um, grief as something that's universal and kind of what, what in that grief is really part of the universal experience that almost everybody relates to and which parts of it are like, which parts are unique to me and my story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how many years ago did your son pass from SIDS? In 2008. 2008. Okay. Yeah. So how many children did you have at that point? So he was the second one in our lineup. Okay. Okay. Yep. So our oldest was two and a half at that time. And then, yeah, four more since then. Wow. Well, good for you for, you know, having more kids. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was, um, that was a tough spot. It was a place of wrestling and my grief too. Um, understanding that having children meant I was putting my heart on the line um, to be, to be hurt, to have to live through that loss again. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure that I could bear to do it. And eventually I came around to understanding that, you know, knowing Locke's life and death, if I, in hindsight, if I could, if I could choose whether I got to have him knowing that it would be short 
um, or not have that experience at all. I don't have to think about it. Of course, I would take him for every minute I can get him. Um, and that 10 and a half months was worth every second and I'd absolutely do it all over again. So I figured if I feel that way about him, then, uh, putting my heart on the line for another kid or four (laughs) would, uh, would be worth the risk. And, you know, what you said earlier about being able to talk with other parents that had gone through a similar circumstance had to have been incredibly helpful. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, um, it's, it's such a unique thing and our culture is not good at grief and death and we don't know how to talk about it and we don't know how to talk to each other and we don't know how to sit with somebody in something that you can't fix. Um, and so, yeah, I just found you know, so much comfort in those parents that could tell me their stories and, and with every story that I heard, every conversation that I had, um, it helped me grow in language and perspective on how to think about that and how to talk about what it was I was feeling. Well, um, I'm so glad that, you know, you set up Locke's legacy and you're doing this book. I mean, to really <clears throat> try to, I know you're focused on trying to help other folks, you know, that are going through similar circumstances now. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Locke's legacy, if you can. Yeah, so Locke's legacy, we've got basically a threefold mission, one to provide um, comfort to, that's our kind of mission area for the, we have care packages that we send. Um, There's a lot of online stuff too. So of course that's available to anybody anywhere, but um, primarily our our area focus is South Dakota um, for families that have unexpectedly lost an infant. And then to provide some SIDS and safe sleep awareness. And then we get to contribute some of our funds to some of the awesome SIDS related research that's happening. So um, I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but um, Frederick Buechner wrote an essay called The Stewardship of Pain. And it came about because um, he was doing a lecture, um, this is several years ago now, but uh, he was talking about how his, his father had committed suicide when he was 10 years old and the amazing impact that that had on his life, you know, for decades thereafter. And somebody came up to him after his talk and said, you've been a really good steward of your pain. And that's the first time that Beekner had ever thought of that concept. And so there's actually a video that we found that where he talks about this um, this guy coming up to him and you know kind of Beekner's reflection on that and he ended up writing an essay that's part of one of his books on that topic and um, you know it strikes me that you're doing the same thing you're a really good steward of, of the pain and the tragedy and the grief that you went through that's a beautiful beautiful like phrasing of that and and yeah, that's, there's been so much um, comfort and healing and uh, purpose through those things that I have done, you know, and um, with and through my grief and yeah, finding, finding purpose in that stewardship um, really you know, makes, makes a difference in, in how we're able to carry that grief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, during your writing process, you said that there were several moments where you felt providence you felt a a divine influence um can you talk a little bit about some of that yeah i'll pick a few of them because there's been so many along the way i'll probably bore you before i get to (laughs) them 
Um, but the story started, so the, it just, the loss of a child is such a big thing and it's got, you know, tentacles that kind of reach into every aspect of your life and like the way you think about everything. And so I had this idea of writing a book, but it was like kind of abstract and vague. Like I should write a book, but who do you write a book for? And how is it like, how are you going to frame that so that it's uh, meaningful to a reader? Um, and so I had years where I just, you know, kind of held that loosely. And then um, I have a cousin that I was visiting with. She's known to have dreams that mean something from time to time. Um, she's actually called me, I think on three of my six pregnancies to say, Hey, by the way, I had a dream. You're pregnant. And it's a boy. <laughs> like, uh, I wasn't going to wow. tell anybody until next week that I was pregnant, but wow. <laughs> so, that's amazing. So we'd had a couple of those experiences anyway. And so I was visiting with her one day and she said, Oh yeah, by the way, I had a dream. You were writing your third book. And I kind of, <laughs> I kind of laughed and like three, like I can't even come up with the like one to write. So I was you know joking more than anything. And that said, you didn't happen to catch a title in an outline. <laughs> and she goes, well, no, not exactly. But one of them was called A Thousand Pounds. And as soon as she said the title, um, it's, it's based on an analogy that I've used for a long time um, with my grief. And that in the beginning, it feels like somebody drops a thousand pounds on your chest. You can't sure. think, you can't breathe, you can't move. It's just, it's completely crushing and all encompassing. Um, but it's not a weight that goes away. It's something that we slowly learn to carry. Um, and so as soon as she told me the title um, of the book in her dream, I was able to sit down that afternoon and outline the whole book. Like it just like, My it, gave, goodness. it gave me a spine to build the huh. whole story around. Wow. And then I just little bit by little bit, like I, I very much felt called to write that story a little bit at a time in a way that it wasn't going to disrupt the rest of family life. Hmm. And so I'd get up early and write for, you know, sometimes it was 15 minutes. Sometimes on a good day, I could sneak an hour of writing in before the kids were all up. Um, and so it was a very slow process. But once I had the outline, I could just kind of work through mm -hmm. it as time allowed. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is I was, I was probably two thirds of the way through plugging through my outline um, and starting to figure out like, try asking questions about what do I do with this? How do I publish this? How do you get a publisher? I had books stacked up of like how to find a literary agent. Um, all of this was completely new and foreign to me. So just trying to figure out where to go next. And on a whim, I had an idea for a second book and a co-author for that. And so I reached out to him, kind of had no business emailing the guy <laughs> really. Um, but I did anyway and pitched my idea to him and he very kindly uh, did some back and forth and um, I ended up sending him a few sample chapters of what I already had written and he replied said um, we are just actually in the process of launching a publishing press and we're <laughs> looking for authors to partner with uh, <laughs> providential question mark is, <laughs> is it was part of his reply and so um, you know, that piece that seems kind of overwhelming as far as searching for like how to, how to get that published, you know, you can write it, but then there's so much more to a book than just putting the words on the paper and to have that piece just fall into my lap, um, felt very providential as well. Um, uh, and then even just like the, okay, uh, I'm going to keep going. Cause sure, <laughs> sure. This is great. I really love hearing these kinds of things. So um, for our son, a dragonfly has become an important symbol for us. 
Um, it came from a story that we were introduced to right after he died and kind of the idea that he still exists in a new and glorious form just above the surface of the water. (laughs) And so um, a dragonfly just, it has continued to be meaningful and symbolic of Lachlan and my grief and all of that along the way. So the publisher then um, connected me to an editor that I knew nothing about um, and we were working through um, some of the material and so we had gotten to the spot where I was talking about that dragonfly and why it's meaningful for us. And she replied, Oh, just, you know, noting that dragonflies were meaningful in her house too. And she said, well, actually the, the company that I work for is called dragonfly editorial. Oh my. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, so that's, you know, and yeah, another, another piece of that, just a little affirmation that I'm in the right place at the right time. Hmm. Wow. And and then all of that came together. There were some unforeseen delays. And um, anyway, all of it came together that um, as the book launches here on June 21st happens to be on Lachlan's 15th birthday. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That's, that's just amazing, too. It's, it's been a really neat process. Um, it makes me feel like I'm a participant in it um more than even the like guiding or pushing force for it Uh, Mm. puts it all in a nice place to be (laughs) able to just to talk about it and to really just witness god's hand in the whole process so um there are plenty of books written about grief and i can imagine there's probably other books written about getting past SIDS too how would you say that your book differs from them yeah so when I've, I've read a lot of grief books over the years and each one has that has things that have brought value and perspective. Um, there are a number of memoirs that really kind of chronicle those early feelings of grief. And in those, there was some great like companionship um, in the depth of that sorrow and pain. Um, and then there's a number of books that are written from the perspective of time um, from people who have made it through that place and they're in the the softer space of that like post-traumatic growth. And you can see in those that there's a grace and a richness and a depth um, that has come about because of their pain. But I always felt like there was a missing gap. Like I could read that and think that's that's great, but how do I get there? Like I'm in this space where um, every minute is so painful and I feel bitter and I feel angry and I feel betrayed by God. Um, so how do I get from here to that place of softness and mm. grief mm. or, you know, like, and, and grace and empathy. And, um, and so I think this book really bridges that gap. I mm. open the story um, with a very raw and vulnerable telling of what it was like to um, experience the death of my son. And then I walk through like the process and the perspectives and the, the things that I, you know, ideas and beliefs that I needed to prune in order to be open to that growth, um, the perspectives that needed to shift, the wrestling with God that had to happen. Um, and so really it's a, it's a bridge between that raw early grief and the the space of post-traumatic growth and a softer way of carrying that sorrow. Hmm. Hmm. 
So I've heard other authors talk about how you can write about your scars but not your wounds. Um, yeah. It's something like that, where basically what they're saying is that you can't write about this too quickly after it happens. And obviously, in your case, it's been 14 years, right? Since. Yeah. So do you feel that that was helpful for you to wait a good piece of time before trying to do this? Yeah, that's, I think, you know, I mean, any even being able to build that bridge and learning how to think about it and talk about it. And there's, there's so much of the way that you tell your story. Um, it has to be told so many times to be able to figure out like which version of the story mm. really feels like it most accurately reflects um, and that all morphs and changes, you know, grief is kind of a kaleidoscope and every like shift of the light and every turn brings a whole different picture into perspective. Mm. And so, um, you know, having gone, gone round and round with that enough times to be able to see it from enough different angles and to wrestle with enough different pieces of it. And, you know, the things that you think you figure out and seem to fit for a while, then sometimes don't stick. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah, I think there's, I think there's, yeah, the, some real benefit in writing that, but I also am able to, there's something unique about as I write that story um, of the day that he died and in the weeks after that, I really tap into that space of what it felt like to be there. And mm -hmm. I put myself in those shoes. So I'm, it doesn't, if readers are feeling like they're standing beside me and they're with me in those most painful mm. moments. Mm. That had to be difficult to write. Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, that's so doing what I've done with the nonprofit has given me a lot of practice mm. in being able to go to that space and mm. to tell that story. <clears throat> um, I also know that I'm a little unique as far as, you know, what some grievers experience in being able to kind of step back into those moments. Mm. Um, not everybody can feel like they can go there and come back to that softness um, mm -hmm. as easily as I've been able to. I mean, for so many of us, and I wouldn't include myself in this, it's like, you know, the way we deal with it is we just try to forget it. Right. We try not to deal yeah. with it. And yeah. I know that's not the right necessarily way to do it, but I mean. There's, there's so much of this story that kind of wraps around the idea of, you know, this is a grief that it doesn't go away. So trying to outrun it and trying to escape it and trying to get it to go away doesn't work. It's, mm. it stays mm. there and it um, <laughs> then it kind of rears its ugly head in all of the most inconvenient places mm. and times. And it comes out sideways in, um, in a lot of different ways. Mm. And so really rather than learning how to trying to get away from it or get it to go away, it's a process you know, the process that I describe in the book is a process of getting comfortable living with it and in it and through it. Um, and then it no longer holds the same fear or anxiety. Um, it doesn't hold you back in the same way as it does when you're trying to escape it. So do you feel that the book is most um, intended for an individual actually who's gone through this or is going through this? Or is it for one of their, like, friends to buy for them? Or is it, like, for a professional counselor, you know, who's helping people do, or all the above? <laughs> yeah, it's been a beautiful, so as I wrote, you know, like, 
primarily my experience is coming from those shared moments of sitting with other bereaved parents. And as I wrote it, um, that was the audience that I primarily had in mind. Now, in our like early reader access and launch team, um, it's been really cool and beautiful to witness people with grief from all kinds of different things, mm-hmm. grief from um, trying to figure out how to live with the disabilities of their children, mm-hmm. loss of parents, loss of friends. Um, yeah, so all kinds of different grief and people are really still finding things that resonate very deeply for them. And lots of people too that have not experienced a profound loss, but just seeing into that grief kind of through the eyes of, of a bereaved mother is giving them a lot of new insights and helping them feel like um, they would be able to sit with somebody who's grieving in a better way than they had before. Mm-hmm. So really like feeling like they're growing in their capacity to be able to support someone who's grieving. And then the same thing as far as like counselors, um, I've got a number of really nice endorsements from some counselors and mm. mental health providers um, that are really finding that that same benefit in just kind of seeing all of that grief um, in a new way through my eyes. And um, it, it helps them yeah, take care of mm. other grievers in a little I, different way. I can certainly see how that would be the case. So um, you've also created a companion journal to go along with the book itself. I mean, which strikes me as probably one of the recommendations that you've got for people getting through this is to, mm-hmm. is to do journaling. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So as I wrote that um, being able to give people the opportunity, and I know I got so much benefit just by reading the words of other people and, you know, other people's words helped me start to figure out some language to describe what it was that I was feeling. Um, But I want it to be so much more than just reading my story. I really hope for it to be an occasion that people can use to engage with their own story and to process their own grief and sorrow in a little bit different way. And so, um, yeah, to encourage that, um, to encourage people to dive into their, their own story that's have created those companion journals. We actually will have three different versions from the, uh, for the beginning to um, that people can download their free downloads. Um, and so there's one for the loss of a child. There's one that is for the loss of a loved one. And then there's one for the loss um, during pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. I found in some of the support groups that I've run um, with the journaling that has been available when the language doesn't quite match the loss, um, it can sometimes be a little offensive to people as they're trying to process that. Like, mm-hmm. You know, you ask, you ask about, um, you know, personality questions for somebody who lost a baby during pregnancy that never got to meet their baby. Yeah. Um, and then that just creates you know, some kind of tension and some tough sure. work, work through. So being able to modify those questions to mm-hmm. help people find something that fits most closely for them, um, I hope will have value for, for readers and for grievers too. Hmm. So um, the people are interested in um, purchasing the book and or learning more is the best place to go to the website, LoxLegacy.org? Yeah, so you can find it there. Um, the book is available on Amazon. 
Um, there's also a website specifically for the book. It's mm-hmm. just a thousand pounds book.com. Okay. Um, so you can find some testimonials. There's actually a, um, the first chapter, the front matter in the first chapter is available to read, um, right there on the website. Um, and that's where you can access those journals too. So that's, um, if it's really the, the book that you're primarily interested in, there's a lot of good information right there on that book website. And what's the domain name again for that website? Uh, so it's a thousand pounds book.com. Okay, so, thousand pounds book.com. Yep, just with a little A in front. So it's not one thousand. Yeah, eight thousand. Eight thousand. Yep, eight thousand pounds book.com. Okay, cool. And um, you mentioned that there may be other books uh, coming out down the road too. Is there anything you could say about that at this point, or is it too early? Yeah, that's. I have actually. I've started um, working away at the next one. I've had to take a pause here as we're in the final like preparations for this one. Um, but the spiritual piece of my story. So this first book is largely kind of the temporal piece of it. Like, how do you navigate being a bereaved mother and walking on this earth for another sixty years without the presence of your child? Um, and the whole spiritual piece of that is was too big to feel like I could mm. really encompass mm. it within that same story. Um, and so the next one that I'm working on, um, my aim is for it to be more of a devotional style, kind of mm. a devotional meets memoir, um, talking about the places that I really wrestled in my faith and wrestled with God because of my grief and the loss of my son. Mm. So to really you know, be able to companion people in that space and, um, to just bring them to a place of kind of prayer and reflection um, in, in that spiritual piece. Mm, wonderful. Well, good for you. So um, again, the title of the new book is a thousand pounds, finding the strength to live and love under the weight of unbearable loss. And you can learn more as we've said at lockslegacy.org or thousandpoundsbook.com. So Bree, uh, again, congratulations on all this wonderful work. I'm really so glad that you, done this and uh, it's going to help a lot of people thank you so much yes and thank you for your guidance in your writing for life course that was particularly helpful so i was yeah got me kind of put put my feet underneath me a little bit and helped me learn how to think about what i was doing next <laughs> well i'm very glad and uh you know very glad that it all turned out so well but now uh, you got a, a product and a nonprofit, and you know you're going to town so that's just an excellent thing thank you